This week on Rotten and Righteous, we asked the question, Hey, can you hold that elevator for me? Hello and welcome back to Rotten and Righteous, and this is our Halloween special. Uh, with me are my two hosts. We have... Luke Taylor. He's a ghost for Halloween. Mm -hmm. I am Count Zacula Geiler. Oh, this is going to be good. And here's Scott. <laughs> and Scott's a twist. And we'll find out what that means later Come on, on the episode. <laughs> Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we begin, I would like to remind you that you can stay up to date with the latest R or R news by liking us on Facebook.com at Facebook.com slash Rotten or Righteous. Subscribe to our show to get new episodes as soon as they release on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. It helps us grow a larger audience. Please, if you like the show, tell someone about it. If you have a suggestion for a movie or television show you would like us to review, or if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com. And if you email us, I promise you I check it once every two months. So, uh, <laughs> if your question is more pressing than that, message us on Facebook Messenger. Uh, we have a website, rottenorrighteous.com. You can go over there and... and mess around also if you haven't noticed already stay tuned just a bit after the closing music for a piece of funny that we had to cut from the main show that being said because it is our halloween episode i want to start out by asking a question and that question is this have you fellas had any creepy or scary experiences as a preacher in the Lord's Church. No. <laughs> Seriously. Wow, I feel... Uh, I feel. Have you had a creepy experience? I have two. That One, you've both heard this story before, but I'll tell it again. And the other one is very recent, less than 24 hours old. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, intrigued. Uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with demons before. <laughs> <laughs> okay well no uh i yeah just pretend that you'd never heard this story before for the sake of our listeners uh, okay so anyways i was working my first work in ohio this woman comes in off the street never seen her before in my life she comes in with a, a stack of, of framed pictures about a foot high um it was weird and so she calls me over and and she goes Are you the pastor here and I say, I might as well be, but no, I'm just the preacher. Uh, but can I help you with something? And she goes, uh, I want you to pray over these pictures. And I said, quote, well, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but thanks for <laughs> asking. <tell> me, <laughs> but if you tell me who's in the pictures, I'll be more than happy to, to pray for them. And so she tells me and we say a little prayer. And then she reaches into her purse and pulls out this 
tiny two-inch high ceramic magnet of a little girl holding a basket of flowers. And she proceeds to show this to me, and I'm like, okay. Uh, and then she goes, um, this thing watches me. Excuse me? She goes, yeah, there's demons in it, and it watches me. And I said, uh, okay, do about that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> couldn't you couldn't you exercise the magnet? And, uh, uh, she she goes, I don't. Didn't know we practice that anymore. in preaching school? It just watches me. And I go, do you want me to to take it from you? And she got guys get all big. She's like, would you do that for me? And I said, sure, crazy lady. Didn't say that part, but just yeah, yeah, I'd do that for you. And so she hands it to me, and that's that's the weirdest thing, something that sticks with me forever, Uh, will stick with me forever, because I don't understand it. She hands me this magnet, and she goes, put it someplace safe. To which I respond in my head, why? If you think of magnets uh, possessed by demons, why would you care where you put it? Haven't you ever dealt with uh, demon-possessed objects before? Like, you have to be kind to them. Otherwise, the demon that's in them will will turn against you. And this was like two and a half years ago. Do you want to know where that demon magnet is now? I bet it's hanging back on your wall because I just saw you turn around. Yeah, it's literally on the whiteboard right over my shoulder. Just The thing that's crazy is, is, you know, I know it's not demon-possessed. But the reason why I keep a, a magnet, the magnet in my office, is because I'm not bringing it home, just in case. Oh, just in case it is. I'm not, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to test fate. Wonder what would happen if you see it already why, has its power but, over but, you. But why is it that you guys never had an experience like this? Why is it that the odd nut jobs of the world are attracted to me? Like it's like moth to a flame. The weird people that show up. I can't think of any reason. They just see you on the street and they're like, "That's the that's the pastor I need to speak to. He looks like he's I been have, but not demons. Some crap. Not, got some more I mean, for you. Are you afraid to throw it away? No, I'm not afraid to throw it away, but I'm not <laughs> going to. Are you telling? Kidding? What? A, yeah, what he an is. awesome conversation starter. He's afraid. I mean, <laughs> that thing has If somebody hands you a demonic <laughs> magnet, you're not going to throw it away. <laughs> that's just irresponsible. And then uh, my other story. Happened literally last night, less than 24 hours ago. Uh, I was at my office editing. Uh, it's about a quarter past midnight. Now, there's something with the demon with magnet. my demon magnet. But here's the thing about this office here. Um, someone mentioned that they, they said, I don't know how you work here at night. It creeps me out. I have no problem working in this office, which is strange because I work in the basement and right next to me is a cemetery. So I am at... <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. level with dead bodies, but it never affects me. I've, I was more scared when I was working in Ohio because I worked in a building that was built in like the 1860s and it was just this old creaky, creepy building. It had a boiler, so there was like chain noises rattling in the middle of the night. I was more scared to work there at night than here. I'm more comfortable than ever. And I was telling this to my father-in-law because the story came up and I said, yeah, I don't think I'll, I'll get scared in my office. And so, um, quarter after midnight last night, I hear the side door open, but I'm listening to music with my headphones on, so I just hear it faintly, and I take my headphones off and listen, and I don't hear anything again, and then three minutes later, the door 
to the basement, slams open, and I just hear, Sheriff's Department! I about poop myself. <laughs> what? I thought it was a joke at first. I was what like, have you done? Yeah? And he goes, Yeah, who? Sheriff's Department! I was like, Preacher, I'm Zach, I work here, I'm the preacher here. <laughs> I had my hands wow. up and everything going in and going into the uh, little area outside my office, and he's standing there with his one hand on his taser and the other on his gun, and I'm like, I'm going to get shot or tased tonight, and I don't even know why. And he goes, What in the goes, world? Is that your car outside? And I said, I hope so. And then, uh, What's your name? I go, my name's Zach. My name's Zach Eiler. Got an ID on you? I said, no. No, I don't. I just lived down the street, so I didn't bring my wallet with me. Uh, uh, but if you come to my office, I've got like 47 things with my name on it. My Facebook page is open. You can tell it's me. <laughs> wow. So apparently the reason why I got raided by the sheriff's department last night is somebody called in. There's an old, uh, there's an old roadside store about a quarter mile down the street. And somebody called in a suspicious vehicle parked across from that store. And uh, they drove out there. There wasn't a vehicle, but he saw my car and the lights on in the basement of the church after midnight, which, you know, I get is unusual. And so uh, he decided to check it out in the most aggressive way possible. Wow. Who kicks in a door because uh, they got a call about a suspicious car and then couldn't match it and goes into a church building? Listen, there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of action around here. You know how Barney Fife was always gung-ho whenever anybody uh, <laughs> jaywalked? Wow. But I'd arrest, I would arrest arrested. So you. My in-law's only question was, well, did you evangelize to him? And I said, well, I thought about it after he left. And my heart rate went back down and I cleaned my drawers up a little bit. Good night. I've got a Guam. There's a Guam story here about you're not supposed to go into the jungle unless you ask the Toto Mauna for uh, his blessing to enter the sacred forest. Otherwise, he'll cut you on the leg when you walk in. That doesn't seem that bad. And sometimes he'll curse you. No, well... I hate when when the demonic gods of islands are inconsistent. Either curse me or don't. So did you ask before you walked into the jungle? No, uh, which is probably why I'm going to be dead. But do you know what hat? Did you you get a cut on your leg? Uh, Yeah, I have plenty of those, but I'm not so sure that's from the the Tau Tau Mona. But when you you ask the Tau Tau Mona to walk into the jungle and he gives you permission, does he say, Welcome to the jungle! No, he doesn't. <laughs> then it's not even worth it. <laughs> oh wow! It would be if he said that. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd fly to Guamp right now. <laughs> he doesn't have a head, so it's hard to sing. So does he go? <laughs> I don't know. That's how I, I am. It sounds like singing without a head. That's how I imagine um, <laughs> headless demons talk. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, the curse of the magnet. Okay. Are you gonna Are you gonna post a picture of the magnet on the Rotten or Righteous no. website so everybody can see? You're afraid, no, aren't you? Make it the uh, cover art. Okay. Demon um, probably won't like being used for your marketing on that. I don't care. Demon doesn't like it. You're gonna care. Demon, if she doesn't like it, it can move out. All right. I hadn't paid me rent in months. I'm sick of it. Throwing loud parties, like that. calling the cops on me. 
up against. All right, let's get into this movie. So, the movie opens with some text. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober mindful. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, you both should know by now what I'm about ready to say. Right away within the first second of this oh, movie, stop it. it is more biblical than The Masked oh, Saint. It has more Bible in it than The Masked Saint. Already. It took one second. I hate you. But it's the truth. <sighs> now, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of scary movies, but I like a few of them. But there's something about this opening scene and the music that really got to me. Like, it really set the mood. There's something about seeing that city... Upside down. Completely 180 vertical, upside down, flying through the skyline that really messed with me. And I don't know what that it was. It made me a little nauseous. But I couldn't stop looking at it because it was just, it was <laughs> fascinating. It really was. Like, it really did its job. I mean, one thing that I liked about this movie, and we'll see this as we continue through the review, is it's subtle. There is subtlety in this movie. and Subtlety? Subtlety. And, uh, and you see that. And then a voiceover starts, and I, I, I tried to shorten my review than what we normally do, but basically the, the movie breaks up into chapters on this guy who we later find out is Miguel, one of the security guards, um, explaining uh, a story. And so I do want to put the story in. Now, we were flying over downtown Boston, and we hear... When I was a... Or should I say we were, were flying under downtown Boston? And, yes, we were. Uh, Miguel says... When I was a child, my mother would tell me a story about how the devil roams the earth. Sometimes, she said, he would take human forms so he could punish the damned on the earth before claiming their souls. The ones he chose would be gathered together and tortured as he hid amongst them, pretending to be one of them. I always believed my mother was telling me an old wives' tale. My mother's story would always begin the same way, with suicide paving the way for the or for the devil's arrival, and would end with the death of all those trapped. And then on cue, a bread truck outside gets hit with a dead body. We're outside of this, or we're inside the lobby of this big skyscraper, and then all of a sudden, bang! Dead body on a bread truck. So. And the guy inside was running the floor buffer with headphones and didn't hear a word. That was a nice touch. That was a nice floor. Yeah. I mean, he kept that yeah. real clean. And then, if you pay attention, uh, you can see the bread truck start to slowly roll away in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I want to I want to point out subtlety. That was a COVID death, right? COVID death. COVID nineteen story fall. Um, I was I was surprised. <laughs> I was really surprised how the beginning of this sucked me in because it's yeah. not because I, I, I I'm not a big horror flick guy and and this movie just with all the little things just worked for me in the beginning and then when that happened yeah. I thought it's gonna be an interesting movie particularly when the truck rolled away because then you got to get into forensics right I mean but you don't have to well um I, I I'm not into forensics. We gotta, I just watched the movie. I didn't we gotta, you know, go and watch a bunch of CSI after this. Going, oh man, I'm really into forensics. We got now. a case to solve, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> we will. You're gonna see a tiny magnet on my shoulder just stab me in the ear with a <laughs> thumbtack. 
Then we're introduced to our hero, Detective Bowden. He is a recovering alcoholic at breakfast with his sponsor, and he's doing well in the program. It's been a few months since his last drink, but he's having a problem with the final step of the program. That's forgiveness. He can't forgive those who have wronged him in the past, namely the guy who killed his family. His quote is, some things are beyond forgiveness. Now, look, I know we're supposed to forgive everybody, and I believe that wholeheartedly, but if someone killed Kelsey and Joseph, I'd have a hard mm-hmm. time. I, I see where this guy's coming from, so immediately I'm sympathetic. No, but no, we've I mean, had I, bad I, stuff, all three of us, we've had bad stuff that has happened to us where we have found it challenging to forgive someone else that has tried to hurt us. Not at that level. None of us, I don't think, at that level, but at a lesser level, we understand. That's hard. And if you're going to take my family... I'm going to have to go into a part that's probably unknown for me to find where that forgiveness is. His sponsor says something that's pretty interesting. Because, yes, it's not a Christian movie, but there is themes of faith that run throughout this. And his sponsor says that forgiveness might be easier if he finds belief in a higher power. And that's true, Mm -hmm. too. I mean, if you're going to forgive people from something that is as... I mean, I think having someone kill your family is probably as close to uh, a sin that's unforgivable mm-hmm. uh, and from humans' perspective as you can get. There's not a lot of things that somebody can do to me that I'm not going to be able to forgive you for, but if you hurt someone I love, it's going to be very yeah. difficult. I've experienced that where, I mean, we're talking just emotional and words and actions uh, against my wife or something like that that I've, you know, I can't, I can, I can tamper down my, my anger mm-hmm. or my hurt feelings or whatever towards me. Cause that's just part of the job. People are going to say yeah. things about you cause you're the preacher. But if you say something about my wife, I can't, I can't control myself then or as easily. Mm-hmm. I get very angry mm-hmm. and I want to do something about and it. Zach, think about, and think so, about this too. If you don't have belief in a higher power, why would you ever even have a desire to forgive? Right. And then the detective also tells us that it was the death of his family that ruined any chance of him finding faith, which again, uh, suffering is the leading cause of people falling away from the church. I I truly believe Mm -hmm. that. And so if you can't understand why something happened and you can't understand why your family got killed, but there's always a reason the devil's working in the background and that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Great conclusion. I mean, that's, that's what this movie wants us to teach or see. I'm going to teach it Sunday. So the detective is called to the scene of this suicide that we saw earlier. The bread truck is down in an alley with the body on. They said somebody jumped. They looked around. There's like two-story wind, or buildings everywhere. They're like, he didn't jump. And then the one the detective said something real stupid. He goes, clearly you can't get an impact this big falling two stories. Maybe somebody threw him. <laughs> Yep. What, did the Incredible Hulk pop up on the roof there? And it would, just hurl him down like he's Loki onto the bread it truck? It would have to be more of a slam from two stories up to make that kind of impact. <laughs> Hulk smash! <laughs> <sighs> they followed some clues and they realized that the van rolled from next to this big old skyscraper. Now inside the lobby, we are introduced to the five victims of the devil. And IMDB credits them the way that I would have written this out. We have the mechanic, the old woman, 
the young woman, the guard, and the salesman. Now, I don't know if either of you had this pop into your head, but uh, when I read that, immediately the first thing that popped in my head was like a setup for a Randy Travis song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because you're thinking you're going three wooden crosses. Yeah. Farmer and <laughs> teacher. A hooker right, and a preacher. preacher. We're riding oh, on an express elevator bound for the 23rd floor. Sorry. <laughs> um. And that salesman, man. What a creep! I'm watching this whole. I'm watching this whole thing. Going, this is the guy here. This is all. Oh. So uh, these these five people get in the elevator together, which immediately gets stuck. Now we're finally introduced to the last two important characters in this movie, and that is Ramirez and Lustig, two security guards who are in like a security room where there's monitors set up and they're watching everything that goes on and and Martinez whose first name is Miguel the narrator notices that elevator 6 is stuck and they call Dwight and tell him or tells him to check out the elevators and then we get to know our victims a little better by how they react to the fact that they're being stuck in this elevator uh, the guard is a large black man who is stressing out He's only a temp. He's in way over his head. This was like his first day on the job. He doesn't know what to do. And then this old lady starts nitpicking him. Uh, just why? Why aren't? You, don't you have a radio? Why are you stuck? Don't you service your elevators? Why aren't you doing something for me? And she is so relatable. She is yeah, I, so <laughs> relatable. I saw that and I'm like, oh, I know you, don't I? I look. I look <laughs> at you in the mirror every morning. That's what Scott thought. <laughs> I know you, Karen. <laughs> yeah, oh, I didn't want to say Karen because there's some nice Karens in this world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we gotta find a it's just Karen. Can't, there's a reason Karen's Karen. Karen. It can't be Karen. Who's Karen? Who's the nice Karen that you know? Karen Kapowski. You just made that up. You don't know. <laughs> Is that Kelly's sister by chance? <laughs> <laughs> she. I don't know why you're over here defending the characters. My brain is never too far away from Kelly, Tiffany. Amber Thiessen. <laughs> yeah, Karen Kapowski. She was supposed to be on Saved by the Bell the New Year's, but... Uh, <laughs> no, she was at the college years. Oh, okay. Karen Kapowski. <laughs> it was, who's, the, who's the other Kapowski? You're Kelly. Kelly Kapowski. Isn't there, isn't there Mike? No, that's Mike Wazowski from, from uh, Monsters, Inc.? So, like I was saying, Miguel Martinez notices that Elevator 6 is stuck, and so they call the skyscraper's handyman, Dwight, and asks him to go Dwight. and catch or, or check out the elevator. Get to know our victims a little better. The guard's a large black man, stressing out. He's a temp, first day, way over his head. The old lady is a Karen. Uh, she turns out to be pretty racist <laughs> and just highly critical. Mm -hmm. It's very annoying oh, about that is a Karen. everything. Uh, the salesman is this skinny, creepy-looking guy who is obnoxious and failing. So very hard to be funny. Uh, the young woman is this pre pretty businesswoman who's uh, immediately annoyed by the salesman. And then we have the mechanic, who's just this shady-looking guy in a, in a hoodie. I'm, I called him Tom Hardly. Tom Hardly? Mm-hmm. Because he does look like he Tom looks Hardy. like Tom Hardy, but he's not. So his name in my mind is Tom Hardly. Tom Hardly. But uh, I don't he know. too 
uh, just wants the salesman to just stop talking. <laughs> just shut up. So that's the first chapter. We have a suicide. We're introduced to the detective and these five victims and our two guards. Because Miguel continues with the narration. He goes, in our story, innocent people always die. Poor souls just trying to help out who didn't realize what they were dealing with. He doesn't take kindly to those who stand in his way. Okay, I didn't ask this question at the beginning of the episode. Maybe I should have. What a terrible mother. Remember, he goes, Why? my mom used to tell me this story. Yeah. <laughs> how, oh, yeah. How old how were you? Like, can you imagine me, your kids me, to me the putting my two-year-old down to bed? Dad, we just dad's story. Okay. Son, sometimes the devil disguises himself and walks among us. And he traps people and kills them. Good night. Mwah. <laughs> Sleep tight, my son. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know anything about parenting, but uh, that's you guys, what, typically you, the way it goes. With the light on or off? <laughs> <laughs> and so from this point on, after he goes, you know, innocent people die, he was trying to help out the victims, Dwight's keeps putting himself in situations where I'm like, all right, Dwight's about ready to bite it. Yep. This is it. So after Miguel says that people are going to die, innocent people, we're just basically waiting for Dwight to die at this point because uh, he was on screen when the narration was happening. Uh, his hat blows off his head and he runs to the edge of a roof, which I, I, I've done AC work on top of skyscrapers before, like when I was working in Columbus. And I've been on top of, you know, 50, 60 story buildings. That's not how the roofs are. There's not just a, a one inch gap between the lip of the roof and the bottom of the <laughs> roof. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to try real hard to, to fall off of the roof of a skyscraper. Matter of fact, there's been some that are on there that the, the walls leading to the edge are higher than your head. But apparently in this skyscraper, uh, there's like a one inch gap between the the edge and the gravel that's on the roof, and he but he gets his hat back in time, which is nice. Or does he? Does his hat blow his, away? His hat remember. blows away. Yeah, oh. but man, that Moment was that was close. Moment of silence for the lost hat. Amen. <laughs> okay, so the hat flies off the roof. He doesn't die though. And then he goes to the electrical box. I'm like, all right, this is it. He's gonna be electrocuted. <laughs> He turns the power off that leads to the ele- or leads to the elevator, and uh, he flips it back on. And I'm like, "Come on, Dwight! You just die already. My heart can't take this stress." But when he turns the the electrical box off, the lights go out in the elevator, and uh, the security guard grabs the old lady. Why? Because his brothers locked him in a truck as a kid, and he was scared. But the power. Turning it off and back on. It's not a modem, Dwight. It's an elevator. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that was a funny joke, Tom. Turning the power off on your your modem doesn't ever work anyway. It works so. for mine. What? Yeah, I did it last night. Worked great. Um, the elevator doesn't isn't working. So Dwight says that he has to head down to the basement into uh, the elevator shafts, the bottom of them, and check the mechanics down there. Back in the elevator. The young woman accuses the creepy salesman of copping a feel, but the salesman <laughs> denies it. Then the lights start to flicker. Dwight's down in the basement. He flips another switch. I go, this is it. This has to this be is it. Coming. Switch, flipping a switch. This is where Dwight dies. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, 
But he doesn't. He doesn't die. And he's like, that fix it? <laughs> he asked the two guards. He goes, does that fix it? And they're like, uh, no. Lights still flickering, still stuck. And he's like, ah, okay, I guess I'm going to have to climb down the elevator shaft and reset the elevator manually. And I was like, Dwight. Come on. You cheated death twice without even knowing it. All right? <laughs> Come on, man. You've got to realize what's going to happen, Dwight. You're going to die. And then we, we're, we're, and then, <laughs> come on, didn't you hear Miguel's voice? He told you you were right there on the roof when he was talking. <laughs> Miguel's looking at. Dwight's a man of action. But, but uh, Miguel's, meanwhile, Miguel's looking at the monitor, and all of a sudden he thinks he sees a face. It's just on there for like a split second, this creepy face, and it disappears. And we're back to Dwight in the basement, and before he leaves, he hears a raccoon. And he's like, well, I guess I gotta get rid of this raccoon now. <laughs> so he's moving through these elevator shafts trying to get this raccoon. I don't know what his plan is. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Now that I'm looking back on it, he doesn't have gloves on or anything. He's just reaching out for this wild raccoon. <laughs> I'm like, what's your plan, Dwight? <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if you catch this thing? <laughs> He's working his way through the shafts all of a sudden, and different elevator, not our elevator, but a different elevator, just comes crashing down. I'm like, ah, oh, this is it. Dwight's, <laughs> Dwight's going to be smushed by this fallen elevator. But no, he was able to duck just in time. The elevator stopped safely at the bottom. Dwight's fine. I'm like, come on, kill him already. I'm tired of this. He's actually like a cat, because he ends up with, what, nine lives just in the next few episodes, or next few scenes. What movie you're watching having episodes. Um, Dwight survives the falling elevator, but back in our elevator, it goes pitch black. Whenever it goes pitch elevator. black, we're back in our love elevator. Um, <laughs> back in our elevator, back in our elevator, it goes pitch black. Whenever it goes pitch black, something naughty's happening. We hear scuffling. Then the lights come back on and the young woman is on the ground. She gets up, and she has bite marks on her back and is bleeding. And everyone suspects the salesman. I did. But he, of course, is adamant that he didn't do anything. So, anyways, woman's on the ground. She's got bite marks. Everyone suspects the salesman. But, of course, he's adamant he didn't do it. But he does have blood on his hands. Now, I never suspected the salesman. I'm thinking back to when I saw this movie the first time. I still didn't. Because if you look at the bite mm -hmm. marks, they're huge. It looks like a, like a Doberman bitter. How it, They had, like, maybe 10 seconds of darkness. I mean, unless he was going to town like she was a Subway meatball sandwich, I, I don't see him being able to do that much damage at that short of time. And plus, he had blood on his hands, not on his face. And they were... Mm -hmm. Had it on his jacket, too. Right. And they go, well, a serrated blade could do that. Mm. Maybe. Like a... He had some dentures in his pocket. Right. They stole Scott's tooth. Just... <laughs> <laughs> stabbed her with it. It's like Scooby-Doo, though, you know? I learned from Scooby-Doo. It's never going to be the guy who they try to suggest it is. And so they now they have an, an assault on their hands. And everyone's, again, turning on the salesman. Convinced that he hurt this young woman. And uh, Miguel and Lustig, the two guards, call the police to report an assault of the young woman. And Miguel, meanwhile, is going by frame by frame through the security footage until he finds the face that he convinced, or that he is convinced, is 
é o diabo. É o diabo moeta. Moeta é o diabo. Sim. Biblioteca <laughs> in this pantalones. In the library in your pants? <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think back. The people are trying to uh the people in the elevator are trying to open it. But uh we learn from the outside that they're in an express elevator and the first door isn't until the twenty third floor. So they are trapped in an elevator shaft, 20 floors above the ground, with no way to get out. Detective Bowden arrives in the security monitoring room. He was the one that was placed on the call after they called in the assault on the woman. And he gets to work trying to identify the people in the elevator. Then the elevator's lights start flickering again, and the young woman hallucinates that everyone in the elevator is dead. Now, to me, immediately this ruled her out. Because why would you show a hallucination that this woman is having if she's the bad guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm convinced it's a salesman at this point. I truly am. <laughs> and so they're trying to figure out who in the world assaulted this woman. And as they're doing this, the elevator goes dark again. Suddenly, the mirrored wall in the back of the elevator shatters. We hear... More gasps and strugglings, and then the lights come on, and then Scott's prediction is wrong, because the salesman has a shard of glass protruding out of his jugular, and he quickly bleeds to death. And at that point in time, he was no longer my lead suspect. (laughs) Genius, Watson. I don't think he did it. What leads you to that conclusion? I had to... Well, he's dead. (laughs) I had to rethink things. But Miguel has this all figured out. Miguel knows exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. He says, so today, someone committed suicide. A woman got hurt. Now a man is dead. And I'm like, where are you going with this, Miguel? And then he goes, look... How many times have you seen a child fall and barely miss the edge of the table with their head? Why is it so rare that they hit it? I was like, Miguel, we were just talking about this murder. Focus, man. I see it every day. My son should do something that should end up killing him, but it doesn't. Every day. You better never... Today, he hurled himself off the back of the couch. I was like, this is it. This is where we have to go to the hospital for a broken arm. (laughs) Nope, he's fine. I'm just thankful you don't have that magnet in your house. And then he goes, when he is near every... Thing goes wrong. Toast falls jelly side down. <laughs> Children hit tables and people get hurt. Hold on a second, Miguel. You literally just put toast falling jelly side down in the same list as children dying by impaling their heads on the side of tables and deadly injuries that people get. Yes, and not only, not only that, not only that, but he put it first on that list. And he showed an example. He dropped the toast. You ever seen someone being that scared by tossing a piece of toast on the ground before? Well, have you ever dropped your toast and your heart is like, which side is it going to fall on? And then when it side, falls jelly side down, not only do you not get to eat your toast, but you have to clean it up. Not only, it's tragic. Not only do you have to clean it up, but now you got to deal with the devil because he's there. It's funny. Don't you hate that? Whenever you drop your toast, it falls jelly side down the carpet. You got to clean the jelly, and then all of a sudden, you got to get into a fiddle contest with this red guy that pops up on your couch in order to get him to go away. 
just... I've got like four golden fiddles in my closet, and I know the day's coming where I'm going to lose. I need to just stop eating toast. This is great. Luke, Luke, I love this. We're talking about jelly toast and kids dying, <laughs> and you go, have you ever dropped your toast and it gets on the foot jelly side down? Not only can you not eat your toast, you got to clean up the jelly. Tragic. And far worse than a kid dying. I mean, it, it's bad. <laughs> hey. I mean, I don't, I don't have any kids. Hey, so listeners, the, now, relatable tragedy. now you don't have to go back and rewind in case you missed anything. <laughs> Scott, does... <laughs> 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 that has been this edition of Scott Recaps, what we just said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can to help. <laughs> I'm just, it's so funny, though. <laughs> but we're talking toast. Toast. <laughs> So, anyways, toast falls jelly side down, children hit tables, and people get hurt. Sometimes he takes human form and torments the damned on earth before stealing them away. Where I come from, we call it the devil's meeting. Miguel, come on. That's the lamest name for this I've ever heard in my life. That that really could have been (laughs) something better. Why couldn't you call it Satan's sequester? That sounds a little more sinister than, hey, what's happening? The devil's meeting. That just like <laughs> where I come from, we call it the devil's. See, meeting. there could have been an opportunity then, right there to have come up with some catchy phrase that could have been the title of this movie, other than "devil," and that could have been your plug for it. There was so much more they could have did with that right there. I want to know if Little Debbie sponsored this movie and then did a cross promotion with Devil Food Cake. Could be. Were there any in the? I didn't see any. I don't know. There should have been. And then he says, you must consider that one of those people might be the devil. Miguel, no, I don't. I don't have to consider that. Miguel knows this stuff. He's, he's no, Catholic. I, I you know. get it. He's, he knows stuff that us, us uh, Miguel's, protesters don't understand. I understand that Miguel's psychologically abusive mother told him these stories that are helping them get through this. But if I'm a detective and some guy comes up and goes... Listen, buddy, I know you're a man of forensics and evidence, but you got to consider Satan's doing this. No, Miguel, I sure don't. <laughs> yeah, but see, in all the horror movies, it's your character who's always wrong because they don't believe in the supernatural, and you're like the secularist, and you always end up losing in the end. Like, typically, your character dies. Right. And, well... So always listen to the crazy people because... Right. All of life is just like a horror movie. Moral of the story, if you witness murders, it's the devil. Devil made me do it. Didn't the son of Sam say that... Wasn't it the son of Sam that said his neighbor's dog spoke to him by the devil telling him to kill all the people? Sam's son. I don't know who that is. He's he's (laughs) Sam was his dad. (laughs) Detective Bowden's like, cool story, bro, but I'm not buying it. And it's then that we learn that the guard was sent to jail for beating a man into a coma with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some issues. I, you know, he still didn't become my suspect even after that. I thought, ah, it's not him. Right. Me neither. Yeah, right, right. I thought it was the mechanic at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think it was Tom Hardley. <laughs> so... In the elevator, the four remaining victims become forensic investigators because they realize that the angle of the shard protruding from the salesman's neck could not have been 
uh, an accident. Someone had to have pushed that into the jugular. And so they all look at each other real suspicious-like. Then Old Man Smithers pops up in a ghost mask. And Scooby-Doo goes, Ruh-roh! <laughs> oh, Scoob! Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of chapter two. Because Miguel's narration picks up again. And he says, as firefighters make their way into the building to cut their way into the elevator, in the stories... Men would always try to fight with force, but some battles cannot be fought with weapons. That was a cool line. So, now this detective has a, a group full of people trapped on an elevator. Um, one of them's dead, and he's like, guys, stop messing with the body. <laughs> I think this is the most realistic line in this whole movie. Where he's like, <laughs> because I feel like human nature, that's exactly what people would be doing. Is like poking and kicking the body. Like, what's going on over here? Is he really dead? <laughs> he's like, guys, you need to stop touching him. <laughs> this is a crime scene. Uh, just back away. And um, then the detective asks the mechanic to pull an envelope out of the salesman's pocket, and we learn that the salesman's name was Vince McCormick, and that the letter was from the Better Business Bureau. So back in the elevator, the guard and the young woman say that they've never seen a dead body. The mechanic goes, what are you talking about? Look down right at your feet. He's <laughs> like, stop being so stupid, would you? What? <laughs> Open your eyes, he's right there. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, no, the mechanic says that he has because he's a veteran from Afghanistan. And not one person in that elevator says thank you for your service. Nope. The disrespect for our troops is disgusting. In fact, not only do they say thank you for your, they don't say thank you for your service, but all of a sudden, boom, he's prime prime suspect for the murders in the eyes of the young woman in the guard. Where the old lady is right now, we don't know. She's probably <laughs> she hasn't been on screen for like 25 minutes. I don't know what happened to her. Don't worry, she comes back in a big way. Uh Yeah, what happened what happened to the lady? She's there. She's just not doing anything. They're just not showing her. She's just over in the corner. At the Better Business Bureau, which thankfully is in the same skyscraper. Every place they need to go is in this skyscraper. Boston has one skyscraper, and everything is there. Every business in New England is in this skyscraper. <laughs> so the Better Business Bureau tells them that our dead guy, uh, dead salesman, ran a, pon or a Ponzi scheme. And his list of enemies is a mile long. Back in the security office, the detective wants the list of enemies that he got from the Better Business Bureau compared to the building's sign-in ledger. Then Miguel goes, Hey, you know how I told you you had to consider the devil? And you laughed at me? Well, what do you think about this? And he shows him the face on the monitor. And he's like... I think that you're kind of crazy, bub. Pats him on the head, gives a lollipop, and go, go sit in the corner for a little bit. <laughs> then Miguel says one of the best lines of the movie. He goes, everyone believes in him a little bit. Oh, Even yeah. guys like you who pretend they don't. Mm. Then 
Bowden shows Miguel an apology note left at the scene of a hit and run that killed his wife and son on the back of a car wash coupon. And he said, it was expired. The dude left this coupon and he couldn't leave me a coupon that I could actually use. It's yeah. Expired. Isn't that amazing? That's what he's troubled by. <laughs> car's dirty. The car's <laughs> dirty, Miguel. It was... If he could have cleaned his car, he just could have forgotten about his family. <laughs> Wife and son are dead. He left me an expired, uh, expired <laughs> ticket. <laughs> it's all perspective, men. It's all perspective. The, the note just says, I'm so sorry. And then Detective Bowden says a line, too, that I really, I didn't like, but it was powerful. He goes, no, I, I, I don't believe in the devil. People are bad enough by themselves. Yep. What a good teaching role. tool that is. The end. <laughs> <laughs> the Hope you enjoyed the bed? movie. <laughs> you should show that to all newborns. Like, welcome to the world. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dwight begins his descent into the elevator shaft on a rickety board attached by rope to an electric winch. Just a bad move, Dwight. Bad move. Bad. This, this guy's got quite a job. Just... He does everything. He's raccoon wrangler, elevator maintenance repairer, <laughs> spelunker. Uh, he just does it all. Then back into the elevator shaft, or back in the elevator, excuse me, uh, <laughs> the old lady keeps pushing the salesman's dead foot towards the guard. <laughs> and the guard, she's like, I don't want it touching me. And he's like, stop moving it towards me. She's, she's so, so sadistic. Was... How does the old lady react to the guard saying, hey, maybe you should kick this corpse towards me? She pulls out a can of mace. <laughs> and then, because she's really smart, Proceeds to try to press the button. But when she does press the button, nothing happens because the can of mace expired back on October 21st, 1987. <laughs> and then, wham! 33 years ago. A loud thump rocks the elevator. Mm. Dwight reached for his walkie and the winch failed. And the carabiner that was connecting his little wooden seat to the rope failed it bent and he fell uh, he fell several stories onto an elevator and was impaled Dwight is finally dead you guys he's finally dead we don't have to worry about Dwight anymore <laughs> Woo! after his Dwight's ninth dead. Flight. now we don't here's another thing that I really liked about this movie because we don't see the fall Mm-hmm. We don't see him hit the elevator. We don't see uh, the bar impale him like you would see in some horror movies. The only thing you see is this thump, and then you look up in the light fixture. It's a plastic covering, and you see a little pool of blood start to spread yep. as it's leaking down through the, the service hatch in the elevator. Again, subtlety. <laughs> yeah. But really effective. I think that right there was creepier, just that little puddle of blood that spread bigger and bigger than it would be if I actually saw the actual mm-hmm. g- 
gore of him falling and being impaled. Because you're left to your own mind. Right. You, you, you figure that out. And, and one of the things I In thought was, mind, how did he not cl- come clear into the elevator? Dude, elevator's pretty strong. Like, I, I think that, that tracks. I think that tracks. I mean, you're shuttling hundreds of people up and down several hundreds of feet every day. I, I want that to be reinforced. Mm-hmm. I don't want a single Dwight going to compromise that. <laughs> <laughs> so they find Dwight's body. He's dead. Gone. And then the detective runs down what he knows about our victims. He knows the guard is a thug. He beat a man with a, a belt. He knows that the salesman is a was a con man. He ran that Ponzi scheme. But he doesn't really know anything else. And at this moment, they see footage of the mechanic walking into the building, and he's carrying a satchel. But he doesn't have that satchel on him anymore. So they run down to the lobby and find it tucked away underneath the sink. So now, again, the mechanic is their number one suspect, too, because he doesn't have a satchel. The lights go out in the elevator again, and when they come back up, the old woman is hanged by the elevator's wiring. And uh, her body is taken down by the guard and the mechanic. And at this point, Miguel tries to comfort the detective. Do you want to hear another one of my mother's stories? (laughs) No. Thanks for asking. No, I really don't, Miguel. And then Miguel tells the detective who's watching this, feeling awfully bad because now two people have died without his help, uh, that it's not his fault. He's like, look, according to the story... They all die. They're all bad. They're all bad. They're all bad. (laughs) They get what they deserve. The detective's like, shut up, Miguel. It's not why they're there. (laughs) (laughs) It's because it's chance. That's why they're there. It's all chance. And he's like, no, 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 no. The decisions they made led them all to this elevator. And then he goes, he never does it in secret. There's a reason why those people are there, and there's a reason that we are watching this. I think at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, M. Night Shyamalan did write this movie, but I think this might have been lazy writing to explain why (laughs) Miguel is there to tell a story. I just wish a director like this would... I mean, he's he's he did, clearly talented. He did, he's had some flaws right. for sure. Now, M. Night but, only came up with the story of this. He didn't write the screenplay or direct it. He produced it oh, and wrote okay. the story. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. Did M. Night say, hey, you know what? Someone should make a movie about five people trapped in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> they just slapped his name on it because it would sell. But Miguel goes on to explain what's going to happen. He goes... uh, Devil always kills the last victim in front of the person they love the most to make cynics of us all. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, okay, Miguel, did your mom tell you that too? Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, think, you think about what he's been told in life, and it's amazing he's doing as well as he is right now. I mean, he's holding down a job. Seriously, he's got, apparently he's got some friends. I mean, this is just incredible. Um, so, like I said, they run down to the bathroom. They find the mechanic's tools and they open it up. And they immediately go, "Can these be or can these be used to rig an elevator?" And immediately I go, "No, they can't." He's got like he's got like many wires 
splitters and a, a tiny screwdriver. No, no, they sure can't. Sorry, <laughs> nope, that's not possible. MacGyver. But uh, but why they're down in the 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 bathroom? Miguel's up there just going prostrate for God, just on his knees, arms stretched out wide, walkie-talkie in one hand, just in nomine patri. Et felit expert sancti. Oh, Domine, Domino Pizza. <laughs> Deus ex machina. <laughs> e pluribus unum. My father is better than your father. Yeah. <laughs> so he just starts praying for these people. And they're like, I wish he'd stop. And I was like, me too. Me too. <laughs> now we've got three people left. We've got the guard, we got the mechanic, and we got the young woman. Then all of a sudden, tensions are rising, and the mechanic and the guard just go at it. And how does the young woman respond? Kill, Kill him! Kill him! He's <laughs> telling the... <laughs> Telling the telling the guard just rip his head off before he kills us. What's wrong with you? Kill him! Like <laughs> good night. Did, did she's now my primary a, suspect. Good yeah, God! Did this seem a little odd to you? I mean, in some ways, she well, no, she hasn't been at that level in the scenes, and all of a sudden, she's just she's ready for death. Now, somebody to else. be fair, I've never been in a six by six box with strangers and have witnessed a, a little old lady hang herself from a ceiling and an annoying guy impale himself in the jugular with a piece of glass. Maybe I would be the one sitting there screaming, KILL HIM! That's never happened. Who knows? I mean, if you think that's who's the uh, murderer, of course you're going to want him to to die. Or or to die. Yeah, you want him to die so you don't have to die. But the detective has enough. He's like, hey, hey. Enough. Hey, you guys stop it. Stop it. Nobody asks the questions, why? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Huh? We're in an elevator stuck. <laughs> you talk mighty big for a man that can't get to us. Uh, listen, listen to walkie-talkie guy trying to be tough now. And then um, this, is, this is what's amazing. He sent them all to the corner. Yeah, he goes, put your hands on the wall. In the Just corner. do it. You go to the corner. I had a Stop. flashback. I'm so sick of you guys. They got their hands on the wall. And then the detective asks Miguel, he goes, in a conversation that I'm not actually having, <laughs> um, how does your story end? And Miguel goes, they all die? Great, Miguel. <laughs> and then I had that flashback of this little, little adorable little Latino boy being tucked in by his mom. And then all of a sudden she goes, and then everyone dies. Good night, Miha. Mwah. And then just walks out. <laughs> Yeah, there was there was no lead up. There was no, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to pause. They all die, period. You know what? But I like that because so many horror movies are like, well, you have to get the key of the ancient Ra and then the vial of Shamalama Ding Dong. And you got to combine them together at the shrine of Bing, Ding Ding. And then on a full moon with the blood of a virgin, you can save your souls. And this one's like, nah, you're just gonna die. <laughs> They're all gonna die. They're done. <laughs> there is nothing you can do. That's why everyone, that's why the Mexicans want to come to America, is because they grow up with stories like that, and that's how they all end. 
And so their hands are on the wall. And then the young woman takes her hands off because her back hurts. Fair enough. She does have a pretty severe wound on her back, and holding your hands at shoulder height would probably reopen that. And so uh, Tom Hardly goes, put your hands back on the wall. And uh, the guard's like, leave her alone, bro. I mean, come on. And he's like, don't you know what she is? Do you know what she is? She's a twist. Like, what? What is that new terminology that I've never heard, but now I'm going to use every day of the rest of my life? <laughs> and a twist is apparently a uh, a person that just stirs the pot to get people people all riled up. Mm. It's like, yeah, we we had some twists. I am a back twist, in, aren't I? Back in boot, back in the Marines, and then we just. Beat the living snot out of them. We just killed them. We straightened them out. <laughs> <laughs> they used to be like a bendy straw, but no more. Maybe, that, maybe that's why they're called twists. That makes sense. <laughs> they're all twisty until you straighten them out. And, uh, well, all of a sudden, all of our anger stopped. The, the actual quote was, chicks a twist. And it's about this time that we find out that the young woman, her name is actually Sarah. Sarah is the husband of a guy named Cal, whose last name is Calloway. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has a criminal record, too. She has been arrested for blackmail like three times because she <laughs> would go out with some fancy rich guy, get some dirt on him, and then make a little money, make a little scratch. Off of it, being her twisty self. And uh, we know that three of them are criminals. Mm-hmm. We've got the assaulter, the guard. We have uh, the blackmailer, the young woman. And we have the uh, well, Ponzi scheme broker, the salesman. I would actually like to go somewhere and start doing a poll with people in the elevator to see what the chances are of getting five people in an elevator at once that are all criminals. I don't think it would be that hard. Probably pretty high. I don't think it would be that hard. Really? In Boston? In Boston? But five at once? In Boston? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's got to be one. one in out Boston? Of, one in Boston? <laughs> there's got to be one out of five that's not a criminal. Listen here, Scott. When you can't tell the difference between khakis and khakis. I know. All right? Your tippers get a little bit high. <laughs> you get up in the elevator, and then all of a sudden, it's on. What, you like the Bruins? Is that it? You've been looking at my mother? I'll kill you. I'll kill you right now. I'll stab you to death with my khakis. Just let me reach into my khakis. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, they find out that she's this Callaway. She married a, a rich guy. She, uh... <laughs> I forget the actual phrase that he said. Robbed the cradle of one of them? Yeah, or something yeah, like that? something like that. She married this rich guy, but now she wants to divorce him. Uh, and so, all of a sudden, they go, well, she's got motive. Uh, or, or someone has motive to kill her. She wants to take this guy's Callaway's all his money. All of a sudden, he looks at the, the security guard patch. What does it say? Callaway Security. Mm. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Boom. 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 Boom.
That makes the guard number one, suspect numero uno. The detective's like, I got it. Tired of you, Miguel, with your stupid mumbling about the devil. I figured it out. It's the <laughs> security guard. He's killing people to make it look like a mass murder when really he's only going after this woman. Then... Lights go out, lights come back on, security's heads twisted all the way around. Okay, Miguel, bring me some more toast. (laughs) (laughs) So now the only survivors are the the mechanic and the young woman. They both suspect each other, so they reach down Mm. and pick up two shards of the dullest glass. Because neither one of them cut their palms. <laughs> that was so. That was. It was so cool to think about what they were getting ready to do. But come on, you can't hold a piece of glass like that. I mean, you're I gonna think... <laughs> you're gonna tear your hand to pieces. You're gonna cut oh, nerves I under- and muscles. I, I understand and... that, but I think that if you are, if your adrenaline's up that high, and you think the person standing next to you is a murderer, and you're surrounded by three dead bodies, I don't think you're feeling a lot of the, the nerves and the muscle tearing and everything else mm. in that moment. I tell you what, you if I'm her, I do rule number one, and that's kick him in the ding-ding. Then we have Bowden up there, he's like, oh man, <laughs> it wasn't old man Smithers. I thought it was the professor in the billiards room with the candlestick, but boy, was I wrong. And so he gets on the mic again. He's like, hey, guys. You want to... <laughs> you mind calming down? Be nice. Guys, just just put that glass down, okay? Uh, let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, I was happily married with a little baby. And then some guy came and... Got an accident with them, left the scene, they both died. And they're like, thanks for bumming us out, bro, appreciate that. What a terrible thing to tell us right now. Why don't you just scoop a little, why are you Why are you scooping an extra scoop of trauma on top of our trauma? Makes you feel better if you have somebody to be miserable with. Yep. But for some reason, that story works. <laughs> mm, really, two of them, really well. Drop their little pieces of glass, but I think old old young lady has gone to gone to prison because she's got a shank in the waistband. She's got a little glass <laughs> shank. Then the lights go out again, one last time, mm. and when the mm. lights come back on, Sarah, you ready for this, Luke? Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Slit. Now I do want to stop right here. If you have not seen this movie and it sounds like this is interesting to you, do not listen to the rest of this podcast. It will turn it off. It will ruin the experience for you. Nothing we've said so far constitutes as spoilers. But this movie has a fantastic twist that if you want to enjoy this movie, you need to turn this off and stop listening to us. So, spoiler alert, pause it, go watch the movie and come back and listen to the rest of it. So, Sarah is bleeding out on the floor. The mechanic tries to stop. I don't know why I'm laughing at that. I don't know either. (laughs) They're bleeding out. (laughs) The soldier's trying to stop the bleeding. And then this woman comes in from the rain. And uh, she says that she knows the mechanic. So, she's brought into the control room. And 
she explains that this mechanic, who they still haven't been able to identify, because he doesn't have a criminal record, is this guy named Tody Janikowski. Now, the reason why they couldn't identify him is because they were looking at the ledger, and he only wrote his last name. So they thought it was a woman named Jane Kowski. So that's why they were so suspicious of this guy and saying that he didn't sign in. This is clearly our guy. So the woman's up there. She says that he's in the building. It's the first day, uh, or he's here for a job interview. He didn't want to take his tools in, so he hit him in the bathroom. That's stupid, but I'll let it slide. Um, <laughs> and she was just there to pick it up, but she was late to pick him up. And as she's saying this, the old woman that hung herself starts to stand mm. up in the background. <laughs> mm. now, Dang it, Granny. Now, I knew that this was ha- going to happen. I've seen it before. How did you two react? Was it as shocking as... Oh, yeah. I mean, I did not. I mean, when I thought those guys were dead, I thought they were dead all over. But I was wrong. Yeah, I was a little shocked. I was thinking one of them was still alive. Or the one who was still alive were the... the well, we're told that one of them's the devil. And so yep. we're trying to figure out who the devil is. You think is the last one standing. But the devil's a tricky little feller. Or a tricky little Karen. <laughs> devil would be Karen. So she stands up. Tony, at this point, Sarah's still alive, bleeding out. He tries to trade his life for... Or Tony, you don't know who this is. The mechanic tries to trade his life for the young woman. He's like, take me. I deserve it. Let her live. And the devil's like, no, I'm not doing that. I want you. I want you, you Tom Hardly-looking mechanic man. (laughs) He turns around and obviously is shocked because here's Karen standing up again after she was hanged. (laughs) And he goes, who are you? Now, she played this perfectly. Like, it was creepy. She was like, today, I'm an old woman. I'm Karen. Today, I'm a Karen. (laughs) Tomorrow. The detective's like, okay, Karen's awake, guys. That's clearly our person. When we get in there, uh, go ahead and grab her. Did we we talk about how the other security guard... Died? I don't no, think we, we did. I didn't. I was just thinking about that. He uh-huh. died before this. Okay, yeah. the other security guard, he went downstairs uh, to turn off a, a valve or something that the firefighters needed turned off so that they could saw their way into the, the elevator. And when he did, he saw there was this wire shorting out in a pool of water. And so he picks it up with a stick, and he almost gets it on a hook. But then his foot touches water, and somehow he makes it upstairs <laughs> where he dies like a Kentucky Fried Chicken Bucket. Um, out in the parking lot in front of everybody. Well, in the lobby in front of everybody. And so we're back in the elevator. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the devil goes, Are you ready for your turn, Anthony? His name's Anthony. And he goes, I'm, no. I guess I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll Quite pass. Frankly, no. <laughs> I mean, if, if I got a choice here. He's like, I'm sorry. She goes, the whores, the liars, the cheats, and the deserters. It's always the same thing. You know who I am. He goes, yeah. Just take me. And I love what the old lady says, because it's such a devil thing to say. Like, 
He's like, yeah, just take me to hell. And she's like, I intend to. <laughs> he's, he's trying to bargain with the devil, trying to save the young woman and, and take him in her place. And she's like, I'm going to take you both. What's wrong with you? Get that through your stupid head. There's no bargaining here. You don't have any, as, as the cyclos would say, leverage. There's no reason for us to be talking right now. <laughs> when she says, stop saying that, where he's like, take me instead, please. Stop saying that. I'm like, jeez, this movie's creepy. You think this is make you good? You're not good. I know. Think you can make up for the choices you made? No. Think you can be forgiven? No. Yes, you can, Anthony. Come to Jesus, man. <laughs> and then I, I'm still trying to figure out what... I guess he was just trying to clear his conscience because the detective mm-hmm. tells the story about the night his son and his wife died. And so then the mechanic picks up a walkie-talkie and says, I killed a mother and her son five years ago. It was a hit and run. I was never caught. I'm so sorry. Then we have a flashback. We know it's a flashback because he has long hair. Um, <laughs> he's, and he's not in an elevator. <laughs> Keen observation. That, that was the second clue, though. <laughs> um, he's got long hair. He's not in an elevator. He's driving down the road. Yeah, so he kills his family. We see... Uh, it, it messed with me when I saw the, the little boy's body yeah. on the side of the road, and you just saw the hole where he flew through the windshield. But then again, I got mad at the mom. Why is that kid not yeah. buckled in? It, it was it, it was just gruesome. Do you, do you mean, know what was, stops your child from flying through a windshield, Scott? A car seat. But, it, yeah, so he killed his family. And then the devil goes, Darn. Does it say darn? <laughs> well, darn. I really wanted you. The lights go out again. Blackout this time. Every time your power goes out, just remember, it's devil. That's what I'm going to do. Next time there's power out, I'm going to go make a piece of toast. Put some jelly on it. Go into the living room and just toss it in the air. Kelsey goes, Zach, what in the world are you doing? Shh, be quiet. Keep Joseph away. Face down. Bam. Keep Joseph away from the table. and so the devil goes away the mechanic survives and then the detective comes down and says uh i'm gonna take him in which here's the thing guys i get it he killed the guy's family but he went through a lot in that elevator like (laughs) He went toe to toe with the devil and won. I, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying I don't feel right about him going to jail at the end. Really? Like my concern, if I had just seen a woman, you know, come back from a hanging and then creepy Karen disappears from the elevator after she kills all these people, like, I think my last concern would be like, oh, let's arrest well, this guy. I, I'd take him for a little drive. I'd probably do what he did. <clears throat> They're driving around. He's like, that family you killed... It was my family, and then do you, do you think that that if he wouldn't have punishment for what he did, that the Karen would have left, Satan would have left? Well, no, I think that confession was his. Well, think about it. This is very much so Catholic inspired. 
mm-hmm. and a big part of Catholicism is that that verbal confession where you get into the confessional. There's a little screen between you and a, a priest. I think it was the confession. That was what it was coming across. Yeah, it's one of the sacraments. But uh, they're driving down the road. The detective's like, I've been waiting for this moment for five years. All the things I'd say to you. All the things I'd do to you. And the thing is, I forgive you. Oh. And then Miguel finishes the story and says, After my mother would finish her story, she would always comfort us. No. Uh, that's that's not true, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you have you have selective trauma. You have selective memory from childhood trauma. Uh, she would always comfort us. Don't worry, she say. If the devil is real, then God must be real too. The end. That's it. So, how do you guys feel about about this? <laughs> All right, Luke. We're gonna save you for a second. All right, Scott. Okay. Give us your I, final rating. Okay, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I guess there's a piece of me that kind of took off the the religious hat uh, as, compa- as compared to the previous few weeks. Uh, the movie, <laughs> the movie, really brought me in with the very beginning of it. Uh, I enjoyed one of the things through the movie. There is continuity. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. You find stuff that is stated in the beginning that is cleared up in the end of the movie. Uh, you see, you know, the detective as he is uh, talking about losing his wife and his child. Come to the end of the movie, they find out who. This this is nice done uh, to fit into. Uh, there's answers to some things uh, as far as the plot's concerned within the movie. I really uh, did not like. Uh, one of the phrases that's in there that certainly hurts the movie. Uh, and then a little bit of the language. Uh, there wasn't a lot of language in this. Uh, matter of fact, I think they really could have got away with uh, cutting that language out and even the one uh, even the one uh, statement that they've made. And uh, it, it would have been fine. It did nothing for the movie to add to it. Uh, I think I'm going to give this rating uh, taken off for the language. I enjoyed the movie. I'm going to watch it again. Um, and truly for me, it was just pure, uh, entertainment for what I watched, but I'm going to give it a six. You know, I heard sometimes that, um, directors will put language into movies because they don't have anything else to make it PG 13 or to up the uh, rating and adults won't go see a movie if it's not really PG 13 sometimes. Yeah. So I, I, cause sometimes, I mean, I've seen movies before that are just like, why on earth did they decide they were going to swear? Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like it's the only time in the movie they yeah. do it. And it's like, why? And I heard that that's, that's part of the reason is because if adults see a movie and it's PG, they're like, oh, well that's a, that's a kid show. I'm not going to yeah. go see that in the theater. That's what I thought about the title too. It's like, <laughs> another stupid kid show. Coming out, about, <laughs> coming out about Satan. I, I typically don't like horror movies either, or, or these type of movies, and I really enjoyed this one. Ellie hasn't seen it yet. We're going to watch it together. So in my <laughs> professional movie critic opinion, I did think, I thought a lot of Scott's points are pretty good, and I share his, uh, his thoughts on some of those. I thought, it, you know, it takes, when you're working with such a small... Um, space 
particularly one building, one elevator, basically. Like your story is going to have to carry the movie, and if it doesn't, your movie is going to be complete junk. Like if you just got people standing around an elevator with no uh, intriguing thrills for an hour and a half, then it's going to be awful. And and I thought they did a pretty good job. I agree. I don't really like horror movies. I do like th- I like thrillers for the most part. Um, do you and this like was thriller? Some- Song? Thriller. No, like Thriller? Nope. Thriller. Right, it's like yeah, the greatest song. Who doesn't like Thriller? If I was in an elevator with Michael Jackson. <laughs> trapped. Now that would be, I would know who the devil was right away. Lights go off and you just hear, <laughs> Jamona. I'm like, oh crap. We are all in trouble. <laughs> I was I was really pleased to see that Karen was the, um, was the devil it really vindicates a lot of my views on i, I think the, the devil just is like a manifested different version of karen as he walks and prowls the earth throughout time you know there's been different kinds of karens but that's that's who he is so that was that was felt good about that and uh there's lots of diversity in this movie is there um there's yeah, there is. one mexican guy one black guy and one woman the rest are white yeah. males well you know, you have to have your representatives. I'm just saying. I, I, they had their representatives. And they had the Latino guy. I, I already said that. I said Mexican. Oh, yeah. It's all about diversity. And I'm all about diversity. Mm. And we are just three white men. So I I don't know what that says about our podcast. You live in Guam. Why don't you bring a little Guatemalan? Is that allowed to be our episode title? You live in Guam. Why not bring some Guatemala? <laughs> oh, Gu- Guamanians. They're Guamanians or Chamorros, but not all of them are Chamorros. Okay. Anyway, love the diversity. That is it there. And I did like the twist. Like, it wasn't just like. Like uh, you know, most horror movies are just like everyone dies and then the legend lives on, whatever. And it, it, it's stupid. Um, so I did enjoy the uh, the devil being thwarted at the end. So overall, I'd probably give it. It wasn't my favorite thing ever, but uh, I'd probably give it a. I'll give it a okay. six. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I I've seen this movie three times and I've enjoyed it all three times. There's something that I like about watching a movie like Luke said where you're in a confined space this is clearly a low budget horror thriller that is that if you don't have a story that's intriguing it's not going to work but that's the thing it starts with a bang with that suicide and it keeps your attention throughout the whole thing. Uh, I also agree with Scott when he said um, there's some language in here that's it's it's not great, obviously. Whenever there's language in it, but unlike uh, unlike O Brother Where Art Thou, I don't remember. I don't think there's a single GD in this movie. Mm-hmm. No. I don't I don't remember hearing a lot of God even God's name in vain. You know, there's not a lot of OMGs in there or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, there's one, there's one scene that two guys are, are joking about, uh, about relations <laughs> with uh, one character's mother. It's, it's played off as a joke. I, I didn't find it that scandalous. But uh, Scott brings up a point <clears throat> in a lot of these movies, because this isn't a Christian movie. You're not going to find it on Pure Flix. Um, he goes, who am I going to recommend this to? Well, here's the thing. In this podcast, I'm not a preacher recommending movies to a congregation. I am uh, a Christian that enjoys Christian things, and I enjoy movies. And who would I recommend this to? Well, I'm not going to get up on a pulpit one Sunday and say, you know what, everyone needs to go out and watch the movie Devil for next week so you can understand the sermon. Um, (laughs) But like I was telling Scott, you know, if if I had, uh, or when my son becomes a teenager and he wants to have his friends over around Halloween to watch a scary movie, and he asks if he can get one from Amazon, I, I might, I probably would recommend this movie because it's fairly clean. Uh, there's not a ton of gore in it. It's subtle and it's creepy. It, it It's a good, scary movie mm-hmm. that isn't, because you, you think like the Friday the 13th franchise and, and uh, things like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger and all that, it is so sexualized, those movies. There's so much nudity, there's so much sex, there's so much violence and gore and language to the point where you can't recommend those to watch to anybody. <laughs> but here we have a, a genuine, interesting movie that is fairly tame that brings up some interesting spiritual questions or spiritual talking points. And all in all, I think it was a pretty good film. I'll give it uh, I'll give it a seven. So we're at six and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Or six point three 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 yep. three. We'll call it a six altogether. Alright, everyone. Now it is time for us to reveal the movie we'll be watching and reviewing next week. This one has been nominated to us by uh our spouses. Um, I'm <laughs> super happy about this. It's the best idea we've ever had. So, apparently, because I'm an idiot, uh, November is going to be Hallmark Movie Month. Yay. Good job, Zach. Can we just watch Battlefield Earth every week no, next month, please? No. Please? No. It can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's included with Prime. All right, guys, so here's the movie we're watching next week for Hallmark Month. Listen, guys, if they're, listen, uh, <laughs> if you are listening to this going... You made you made this a whole month, I know, I'm an too, idiot. Just so shut up so I can talk. You're, you're an, an idiot. idiot. And, and your face is stupid you're and your an wife's idiot. pretty. Um, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so take that. Um, that'll, that'll show him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so listen, uh, if you're listening to this going, I don't feel like hearing three guys talk about Hallmark movies. I hate Hallmark movies. You're, you're in good company. Okay, I hate them too. I hate them so much. I hate them so much. But no, I'm <laughs> I'm going to be hypercritical for these. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be bad. Okay. Uh, it's. I mean, it's going to be a good bad. Like, you know, if you like... I'm excited. I think they're going to be good. I'm going to give a pre-ranking rating of 10 as we get started. 
I'm going to give you a pre-ranking rate and a shut up. <laughs> okay. Are you going to announce a movie? Chris, yeah, I'm trying. I just can't get my voice to admit that this is what we're going to be watching. Next week's... This is your I show. Know. You no, decide. I don't. Here, let me help, let me help you. Let me help you a little bit. This, this will help you. Just take a deep breath. Jingle bells, jingle bells, <sighs> jingle all the way. It doesn't help. All what fun that, that we'll have watching Hallmark all the day. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells. <sighs> Zachy looks real mad. He can't wait till Hallmark season is over and then he will be glad. For I hate Christmas. <laughs> you're the, you're the I Grinch. am the Grinch. All right, Christmas in Mississippi is the next movie we're watching next week. Here's the synopsis. Photographer Holly Logan returns to her hometown of Gulfport, New Mexico. And why is it called Mississippi? I'm kidding. It's <laughs> Photographer Holly Logan returns to her hometown of <laughs> Gulfport, Mississippi for Christmas. The town is, rect- is resurrecting their traditional holiday light show. And now Holly must spend the next few days with the man who broke her heart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's freaking watch this trailer and get it over with. If it has a. Will they reconcile or. Will her heart be crushed again? It's Christmas time, so no doubt there will be a reconciliation and great love between Listen, them. are we going to watch this movie, or are we going to sit there and talk about it? Uh, you've been talking about it nonsensically for the last <laughs> five minutes. Let's watch the trailer. Oh, that's lovely. The music's great. Delivered safe and sound, just like I had promised. The oh, earth is safe kiss. and sound, just like us. <laughs> I'm about to get that in writing. Oh, he's going to get it in writing. That's creepy. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're going for consent, you definitely need That's some writing. red lipstick mm-hmm. all when there happens to be a mistletoe above them. I'm going to vomit. Again? <laughs> Moving in for the kiss. Oh, oh good. They were soft. Oh, this is my new favorite character. It's Thank okay, you for stopping this. <laughs> How's Jack? Out like a light on the couch. Is that his wife? <laughs> Oh my goodness, now they're looking each other in the eye. Tell me they're not gonna She just looked up the mistletoe, are they gonna make out? Holy that's you need to back up, lady. Anytime. Who's this kid? She's gonna kiss that kid? She's kissing everybody else around here. What in the world? How many lights they got on that house? What electric bill do they have? This is uh this this looks like uh Christmas vacation. Have... That was the whole trailer? That wasn't a trailer, that was just a scene. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't tell us anything. <laughs> I can't wait for this movie. I give it a ten. I'm gonna give that a, a, a one. Oh, Scott, break the tie. Oh, I'm, I'm giving it a ten. I'm really excited about watching this movie. Yeah. I don't know why, but for the first time in like 30 years, I'm excited for Christmas. I really am. <laughs> Shoot, Zach. I may come. I may come this down and so, see this, you, Zach. This is so much better than all the Zachs. There all the movies Zachs. Forces to watch over the last. Oh, the only weeks. reason why I am still. Uh, the only reason why I'm still. Um, <clears throat> you you have no clue what you're doing, do you? 
the only reason why I'm still going over on this and not putting down my creator veto is because whenever I complain... Set <laughs> <laughs> a lawnmower or a vacuum? The le le leaf blower just started up. <laughs> whenever I watch a movie I don't like and I'm very critical of it, our views go up. People seem to enjoy me suffering, so... Makes sense. I know I always have. <laughs> well, for the first time in my life, I am not looking forward to recording next week's episode, but we'll be back. Uh, look, think of how much fun I make of this, Zach. It'll be good. <laughs> Let's end this recording. Well, there you have it. For Zach Geiler, Miss... I'm Scott Judge. <laughs> for oh, this is gonna. Suck. And the other guy is Luke Taylor. What? I hate, Who? I hate this so much, guys. I want to. Can we cancel the show? I didn't put out an episode this week. No. You should cancel. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's, there's no better time than now. now, is there? In, <sighs> endure the next month. This might be our greatest. This might be the rise to fame. Why? Why are you, you? This. I don't really think this is going to be a lot of fun, Zach. Because I hate Hallmark movies. I hate Christmas. I hate goodwill and cheer towards men. Well. That is true. Hey, All right, aren't, guys. You, aren't you, It'll help hey, after aren't you gonna tell us some stupid joke, Zach? You, you, I'm trying to end the show, Scott. Been trying for fifteen minutes. You can't go without a stupid joke. I know, Scott. Believe it or not, by the twenty fifth one of these, I got the format down pretty well. Are you well. sure? You got a joke <laughs> for us, Zach? Hey, for Scott, Luke. And the rest of the Rotten or Righteous team, which is all me, Zach Geiler. <laughs> We're going to leave now, but we'll be back, unfortunately, next week with Mississippi Christmas time. Uh, <laughs> until next time, remember to always say your prayers and obey your parents. And we've been doing dad jokes for a while now, but... I'm going to try to inspire you guys with a little bit of an inspirational quote. What about Alan Minter's quote? Sure, there have been injuries and death in boxing, but none of them serious. <laughs> <laughs> But he does have blood on his hands. Mm. Oh, mother! What are you doing? <laughs> I'm oh, telling you, gosh. you need to get rid of that magnet. <laughs> no, my wife crept into my office like a silent banshee and just stood beside me. I've got noise-canceling headphones on, so I can't hear anything. And I just look over, job, and there's this tall, pale lady just... <laughs> Good. Yeah, so it it's begins. the magnet. <laughs> I about died. <laughs> you know what? You've got. Oh you've got my that. goodness! That right there. Uh, that right there's the uh, post scene or post credit <laughs> scene right there. You've you've got that magnet in there. My guess is too. You're going to start seeing a surplus of spiders as well. Mm. What did she bring you? Snacks? No, she brought me keys. Um, the keys to her heart.
Hawaii back. Selena. Heard up one of the masters eating the shield of our Nets and Nets. No, we fit up. Snow cat, they'll be fit. Here it's nice and get in it. 